Well, hello there, Richard Tub here, back again with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, we're doing a special bonus ode today. I'm joined today by the Chief Information Security Officer at Cyjax Limited, Ian Thornton Trump. He is my go to expert on all things cybersecurity, he's one of the world's top cybersecurity analysts, and he's just returned from a trip to the USA for PAX8 Beyond, which is the first Beyond event that PAX8 have put together, huge conference. And um, I thought it'd be interesting if we got Ian in to talk a little bit about cybersecurity, but also what he's picked up at PAX8 Beyond. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing extremely well. Obviously, it's on the eve of InfoSec here in the UK, so everybody is excited and the Twitters are a-twittering. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been on the podcast before. It was all the way back in Tub Talk 90. We talked about how to navigate the scary world of cybersecurity. So I hope that introduced your incredible work to the uh, Tub Talk audience here. But tell us what you've been up to. Of course, the trip to the USA. Yeah, the trip to USA was really, really interesting. This was uh, PAX 8 has just come out of the gates, um, started um, pre pandemic. Um, it added Rob Ray to um, to, to the executive team. Uh, that has some really interesting implications. Um, but I think what I'm seeing is some strangeness. Um, I think the, the MSP market in general has grown up considerably because the flashy lights, the RMM tools that can do all sorts of great things are struggling a bit with the background of the MSP needs to make money in order to provide security to its customers. If the MSP isn't making money, um, the um, lofty goals of charging, you know, eight, ten, fifteen dollars an endpoint for some of the solutions that we saw at PAX Eight is just completely out the window and and not even within the realm of possibility. So the market shifted. And what was really quite indicative at PAX 8 was PAX 8 has a big bench of different, what they call cloud marketplace products, ranging from, you know, things like ThreatLocker and CrowdStrike down to, you know, the everyday type of RMM tools that we've seen from, you know, ConnectWise and, um, and enables uh, Password Manager, which I think has a real resonance right now with all the attacks on credentials. Definitely. I think fundamentally, though, when I, when I look at it, way too many endpoint solutions. The battle for the the uh, the best antivirus has turned into the battle for the best EDR solution. What's uh, interesting is that with most of the EDR uh, solutions on offering, the ability to plug into an MDR, a managed detection and response service, is just you know a click away, and of course a large bill away. Um, for for the MSP. Um, so I think one of the things is that um, the offering in a way has gotten a bit more simpler as in, you know, install it and then let somebody else deal with it, deal right. with what it finds. But um, it's still going to demand a, a premium investment from the from the MSP. Uh, the other issue I think that um, we sort of kind of stumbled across was the MSP is starting to ask questions about what is the business value of the solution that um, you're providing me with, Mr. Vendor? Now, this is a really tough question for vendors that don't understand the channel. And there were many 
that don't understand that the M- that the MSP's customers don't care what type of firewall you have, don't care what type of brand of EDR you have. All they care about is whether or not their systems are going to work and are they going to be relatively secure. And I say relatively secure because um, they still want it for the least amount of money possible. Um, so, so fundamentally, if you are pretending to be in the channel and you can't ask you the question, what is the business value of the solution that you're selling and how does the MSP's customer benefit from that solution? Like it's one thing to basically say, oh, it'll keep you safe and you won't have to do incident response. The problem is incident response in a lot of cases for an MSP is a money-making, it's a billing opportunity. Right. So we really, we really have to disconnect, um, you know, sort of like what the MSP truly needs to be successful. And I saw this in the evolution of, let's call them the next generation RMM tools, um, in that uh, if you look at a product like Synchro, it's a PSA or professional services automation platform, as we like to call it in MSP, but it's focused around billing and billable activity and codifying your contract so that you can understand how your MSP is making money. Um, That needs to now be central stage. It was fine having, you know, great kind of swoopy scripting engines and dashboards and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, that doesn't benefit the MSP, nor does it really benefit the customer. Customers are not going to log into your RMN dashboard, right? Right. So, So I think the market kind of like really changed overnight. Um, I think PAX 8 understands sort of the new zeitgeist of the MSP and is really engaged as a, quote, cloud marketplace. And to be fair, if you look at Rob Ray's experience, I'll be blunt, the fact of the matter is this guy now, after his experiences with the Dato and um, and ConnectWise merger, right? It was ConnectWise and Dato. That Sorry, it was, da- it was Dato and Kaseya. Dato and Kaseya. And after that sort of cultural um, difficulty, I would say, with integrating the two different businesses, Rob now has a tremendous voice. Um, a voice that if I were um, to, to, to hazard a guess, um, could be used to shape the direction of the future for a lot of MSPs because he is so wide, uh, widely respected in, in the channel. Absolutely. I wasn't able to be at PAX 8 Beyond across there in Denver. I was actually an event here in the UK that I was pre-booked for. But I did have the opportunity just yesterday to sit down with the uh, the PAX, for the PAX 8 EMEA media briefing. And it's interesting, a lot of what you're saying here, PAX 8 are really moving the conversation along from just being a cloud marketplace. In other words, loads of tiles where you just like the app store, you can go and buy things. They're actually moving things along, aren't they? To being more data centric, talking about how MSPs can make more revenue, that type of thing there. So what does that mean for, dare I say it, vendor fatigue that a lot of MSPs I'm speaking to are getting? What do you see that mean for this growing this exploding cybersecurity marketplace where everybody and their dog is saying, hey, we've got the tools that's going to enable you to stay safe? That, that is a great question. Let me parse it down on two. Uh, first, vendors have to stop lying about the actual, um, where they're actually at in terms of their uh, product development. Uh, the, the product development roadmap that is actually a major buying instrument for vendors um, needs to be, I think, honestly, chiseled in stone tablets and, and not kind of like um, 
the gaslighting has to stop that build the trust. The second thing is understand that in MSP land, that first 60 days of where you've landed your product is critical. There can't be account uh, rep changes. There can't be abrupt um, uh, discovery of features that they were told that they have, but they actually didn't have. So I think there's a big effort. And because PAX 8 is almost like and, and they may not like the way I describe it, but they're a very strong advocacy group and a very strong presence in the market so they can push the vendors to do the right thing. Right. The second thing is, um, you know what? It's it's time to take a, uh, it's time to take a drink and stop talking about convergence. Convergence is over. Convergence was trying to explain sort of how IT became all the thing and we got excited about IoT and we were all going to manage it together in this wonderful dashboard. That turned out to be um, kind of bollocks. Now where we are (laughs) is we are in a state of unification. Now, what is driving this? It's a really good question. It's Microsoft that's driving this. And and Microsoft is now with their Azure, Intune, and configuration management tools, along with the integration of Office 365, to give you that whole picture of security, right? Now, the vendor proposition is gone from, uh, this is our great product and it does these great things, to this makes it easier to do everything that Microsoft will give you and um, more comprehensively and more, I would say, uh, seamlessly in terms of delivery of service, security services, to be to be clear. Um, the, the reality is, is that vendor has shown, you know, a lot of people joke and say, um, Microsoft's um, now a security company that builds an operating system instead of, uh, you know, building an operating system that then had security added on to it. Um, and so they've changed the, the name, they've changed the dialogue. And also, uh, Richard, we just have to find a way to put the words AI into any product that's out there. Right? Of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> but all joking aside, how are you seeing the impact of AI on the cybersecurity market? Because we know the bad guys are using AI. Yeah. And is it turning into this sort of infinite arms race here of bad guys use AI, We've the good guys have got to use it to stay ahead? What's it looking like in the real world at the moment? You know, in the real world, I think there is some, some you know, both, uh, well, let's call it bad guy and good guy ideas around AI. But in my mind right now, we're at the stage where everyone has typewriters and we're moving to word processors. Right. I don't see this as a quantum leap forward. I'm optimistic about it elevating um the uh, the the security effectiveness because hopefully it will deal with the banal it will deal with the repetitive it it, it in a way and I again you know I hate to utter a, a, a very trite um, sort of um, phrase but this will move us closer to zero trust because I'm hopeful that AI especially on the defender side will find it easier to pick out the signal from the noise and let's face it Richard the networks they be noisy. We have so many legacy things that we're dragging behind ourselves with a uh, like a boat anchor. And I think that um, we need something that can um, absorb tons of data and give us insight into what actually is going on within those networks at the end user layer. And of course, at the endpoint layer, which is, I think, the primary focused efforts. Now, our 
AI, is AI right now a, a, a credible and interesting threat for red team activity? It, it's, it's a really difficult question to answer because so far, and I'm pretty certain Anonymous Sudan and Killnet are not using AI to effectively launch cyber attacks. What they are doing is finding weaknesses in infrastructure that can be brought down with DDoS, or they are rapidly um, weaponizing um, poor software, software that hasn't been able to stand the test of time. I'm talking about MoveIt. I'm talking about the Barracuda ESG appliance that apparently is so infected, you have to remove it and send it back to the manufacturer um, for a fix. What we're finding is that companies that fail to invest in cybersecurity within their products, be it a piece of hardware, be it uh, even software, are throwing up vulnerabilities that the bad guys are finding quickly and weaponizing them even quicker. And I don't think AI is part of that conversation right now. Interesting. So let me ask you a question. I'm having conversations with uh, MSPs at the moment around AI, but it tends to be focusing around the mental health aspects. Now, let me elaborate a little bit here. So I'm speaking to engineers and other people within the managed service industry who are like, oh, AI is going to get rid of the repetitive tasks. It's going to make us obsolete. I don't subscribe to that. I think it's going to free up our time to do more valuable tasks or, dare I say it, work less hard. You know, we don't we don't want to be working any harder. But you and the team at Sijax, you're at the cutting edge of cybersecurity. Are you worried about your jobs? Are you worried about AI making you redundant? No, and I, I hope it doesn't come with a healthy dose of hubris either. But we are using AI now in terms of helping our analysts move through uh, and 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 I would say get background and create intelligence products for our customers, but it does it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Uh, AI can come up with spurious results and conclusions, and so can young analysts. To be honest, so for us, it's sort of uh, it's a tool for more efficient intelligence, faster, but it still has to have a human uh, human scrutiny. Um, you know, as an example, on an average day, we're looking at 25 to 30 live intelligence reports uh, between the, the stuff that we put onto the dashboard and the bespoke stuff required for customers. Where we can really make some inroads, I think, is when AI can gather information or has inputs as to what the unique supply chain characteristics are of that customer or the unique infrastructure that they might be running so that the intelligence becomes more finely tuned. Now, this goes back to that engineer in mental health. And I'm telling you, if you make really good, accurate um, intelligence, you can push folks to be doing stuff far more proactively than they are now. If you don't like cleaning up the mess of ransomware, here's an idea, Richard. How about we try to avoid ransomware completely? Right. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense there. I know your time is short here today, Ian. Before we go, so what was the entire experience of going to Denver for Pax 8 Beyond like? It was their inaugural event, but I'm hearing from some people it felt like you know, that got it really polished, which is no surprise given Rob Ray's at the helm there. 
it, it gave me a lot of nostalgia of going back to 2015 and 2016 with the big channel events that were out there. Um, it was professional. It was posh. Uh, it was Vegas pricing in the middle of Denver. Um, you know, it, 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 I think, epitomized um, a lot of opportunity and hopefulness for the channel, which I think a lot of us, and myself, I include this, were fairly critical of some of the directions that some of the um, channel was moving in. Right. And I think the other thing that it came away, and, and, I, and it's, it's a valuable lesson learned, is if you're going to go into the channel, don't just take your enterprise product and try and dump it there and then like the MSPs do all the work to find things like business value or relevancy or how, um, you know, how you're going to convince your customers that this is the right thing or the right move to do. You got to do the work. And I think that was the big thing is that we saw major players, you know, like like CrowdStrike and ThreatLocker and major security players there coming into the channel and not knowing and understanding the robust history and all of the things that an MSP needs to be successful. Um, you know, this, this is not a buy it and forget about it um, relationship. This is critical to build uh, trust and build development because for as much economic opportunity that the channel can provide a company, man, they can turn on you quick if you drop the ball. Yeah, agreed. I think Pax8 have positioned themselves really strongly, you know, they're community first. I'm also speaking to a lot of MSPs who I'm saying, why did you decide on the tools that you're using? And they said, oh, they, they were recommended to us for Pax8. So they've really got to the stage where they're being seen as the curator of the tool set for the MSP industry, which Again, we'll mention that D word distribution. They're probably, they're really disrupting what distribution meant historically. So it's really interesting times. And I'm guessing then you're going to be a fixture at uh, PAX 2024? Yeah, certainly. It's it, it, Hopefully, it may or may not be at Denver, but it was in striking distance of my MSP back in Canada where, you know, we are people that are evaluating security tool sets and, and our security stack constantly. Um, and, and really being able to bring the team down, see it from the perspective of a senior engineer, the director of managed services, a junior engineer that just um, joined the team, and then, you know, us as grizzled veterans of, you know, the of of, of really, you know, the channel and its entire development um, back in the day, I think it was really valuable to see it from all the different perspectives. And I'm telling you, if you think I'm a, a tough customer, huh, meet our senior network analysts who's, uh, who's got some really tough questions. Wow. Interesting stuff. Well, Ian, I appreciate you taking time out your day. I know you're off to InfoSec next, aren't you? That's going to be an exciting conference. Maybe we can get you back and give us a, a debrief on what happened to InfoSec as well. Absolutely. Love to do that. Thank you, Richard. It. Thanks a lot, Ian. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. 